Well, this morning, I know I mentioned last week we were going to have a special service, and every service is special. And what I want to do this week is prepare the ground for what we're going to be doing next week. As you know, uh, we, we uh, through the rainy months, have been dealing with a leaky roof. And, and uh, it's, it's uh, affected our classrooms here in the sanctuary. It's affected every area. Uh, the building is 23 years old, and uh, it's a metal roof, and, uh, you know, metal obviously has its limitations, and so uh, we're going to have to be preparing to fix that roof. Now, I have a presentation that I will be showing you next week, but in, in, in saying that, what I want to do this week is prepare you, prepare your thinking, prepare your mind with regard to the responsibility that we have as the people of God, as well as uh, managers of what God has given to us to be faithful over. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started a series that was entitled Transformation, Be Transformed, and I touched on the transforming and renewing of our minds. Out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, I used uh, these scriptures to talk about uh, what the Apostle Paul was making uh, a point to tell us that needed to take place constantly in our thinking. And he said there in verse 2, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that has to do with everything, not just uh, the, the, the pattern of our thought processes, but how we think about so many things in life that we have to deal with. He says when we do that, he said, then, after you change the way you think, you will be able to, um, and to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in other words, during this transformation process in our thinking over so many different areas of our life, we will be able to know the will of God, to prove the will of God, and in the process, be pleasing to God. And how many want to be pleasing to the Lord? I, I, we all want to please God in our lives, and our lifestyles. And so uh, what I want to do is take a look and, 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 and teach you, as I did last Sunday, about uh, the communion service. And there was a teaching that came forth, and it's good to be taught. How many can say amen? Teaching is good. Learning is always good. And so in this Be Transformed series, God wants us to be transformed for our health, because how many know that our health is, is, is affected by not only our thinking process, but it's affected in so many areas, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It, it affects our health in so many different ways, our, our mind. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about our financial health that God wants us to experience as we serve Him. Because we all have experienced here in this building different various financial crises through our lives in different forms and through, through different issues that we've all had to deal with. And if we're honest with ourselves, those financial crises that we had to deal with affected our health in certain ways. It affected our thinking. It affected us even spiritually. 
And what God wants us to do and to understand is that when we understand the importance of how we manage God's money or money the, that God has placed into our hands, uh, that it will cause us to live a healthier life, not only financially, but yet physically and uh, spiritually. So what I want to uh, title this uh, sermon this morning out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 16 is the title, How I See and Use Money. How I See and Use Money. Jesus spoke more about money than heaven or hell. Hard to believe, but he did. Half of all of Jesus' parables dealt with material possessions. One out of every six verses in the first three Gospels speaks about money. So why did Jesus place such an important uh, perspective on, on money and on possessions in our lives? Simply because money has a tremendous power. How many can say amen? I mean, I, I think about, I mean, looking at, at our, our country today and how people who have unspeakable amounts of money, endless amounts of money, can control the processes of many times how we live how bills get passed and how the government works and etc. and so on. It's those that have the billions upon the billions and the billions of dollars that influence many times our thinking. Isn't that true? So money is a powerful source and it's a powerful influencer in our lives. It influences us. It has an effect on us, what we do, what we don't do. So I want to look at the story out of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 16 that many people misunderstand when they read it. Because at first when you read uh, these, these scriptures, it seems that Jesus is approving of dishonesty and uh, scamming. But he's not. What he's doing is he's using, using a shrewd crook as an example for us to learn from. So let's look at uh, Luke chapter 16 and the first eight verses. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and he asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. And I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he was looking out for the future looking out for his own bones. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? 
A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light, meaning Christians, you and I, God's people. So we find here in this, this parable that Jesus is giving us instruction on money management and how to make sure that we're careful about what God has entrusted into our lives. It's important to note that Jesus didn't praise the man's dishonesty because he said he was shrewd. How many know that you can still learn and benefit from others without approving of their lifestyle and everything they do? Isn't that true? Let me give you an example. I read a CBS News article that talked about companies that were hiring hackers to test their system for security flaws. Hackers have broken into some of America's, the article said, largest corporations, but now businesses are starting to use them to their advantage. In fact, Google is one of a number of firms that asks hackers who are often referred to as ethical or white hat hackers to try to find security flaws. So they hire these crooks, these, these shrewd guys that break into people's bank accounts and break into all these other areas to get knowledge from them to see how they can better defend their securities. That is what Jesus was talking about when he gave this, the parable of the shrewd money manager because we can learn some things from that guy. He didn't approve of him. He wasn't saying that you got to be like him, but he said... Uh, be wise, like that man was wise. Two reasons Jesus taught this parable to the disciples and to the crowd around him. Number one, because the Pharisees were in his audience. They were the religious folks. And how many know religious folks don't like to hear about money a lot of times? Not anybody in here, but there are a lot of religious folks who get angry when you talk about money. The Pharisees were, you know, dressed in their garb. They had all the, the religious garb on, and, and they, they distinguished themselves from the, the regular folk. And so uh, he knew that these people were, number one, they were self-righteous, they were prideful, they were judgmental, and they were hypocritical. And Jesus loved to shock them with his stories and parables from God's truth. The religious folks in Jesus' day were especially upset whenever he talked about money. Look at in Luke chapter 16 and further down in that chapter in verses 14 and in verse 15, it says that the Pharisees dearly loved money. So when they heard what Jesus said about that parable I just read, they made fun of him. But Jesus told them, you're always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. The things that most people think are important are worthless as far as God is concerned. So Jesus spoke this parable because uh, he came against the grain 
when it came to money in their lives because for as you read on in different parts of the, of the word in the New Testament, they were the ones who were always making sure that people gave over and above so that they can have for themselves and uh, not worry about the people. And Jesus saw that and he dealt right to where their heart was. Secondly, Jesus taught this parable because the disciples were there. People were there and that many of God's people are poor money managers. They don't handle their finances well. In verse 8, Jesus made reference to this as uh, he taught this parable. He said, for worldly people are more shrewd in handling their affairs than are those who belong to the lights. I entitled this, this, this message, uh, How We See and uh, Handle Money, simply because many people look at money that God has given to them to manage uh, in, a, in a way that God does not want them to look at it. And they view money in a way and handle it in a way that goes against what God wants. Jesus said, the man was shrewd. So what does that word shrewd mean? Do you know any shrewd people? Don't look at the guy next to you. Think about what, what, what is shrewd? What does that mean? Well, you, it's, when it's defined, it means a, a keen awareness. Smart, strategic, resourceful. And that's what this man was in the parable. He was keen because he figured out, man, I lost, I'm getting fired, and I better figure out a way that I'm going to survive because, uh, you know, I'm too, I'm too old to start digging ditches. So how am I going to take care of myself? So being shrewd means the ability to see the problem clearly, to know what needs to be done, figure out how to do it, and then get it done. That's what this money manager was, was commended by the, the Jesus for. Because he didn't sit around and say, oh, woe is me, now what am I going to do? You know, I think I'll eat a worm, and blah, blah, blah. He sat down, looked at the problem, and he figured out how to get through it. That's what God says he wants us to do. That's how he wants us to handle the resources that he's given to us, the finances that he's allowed you and I to be able to manage. That's so critical, especially when it comes to, to the house of God. Nancy and I have been practicing shrewdness and, and, and being careful and being aware and responsible within our personal finances for most of our lives, for 54 years since that we've been married since we first got married, before we were saved, we have been careful, we've been smart in the way we've handled our finances. And it's helped us throughout the years. We purchased our first home when we were, what, 21, 22 years old. Shortly after, we bought some apartments. And since then, we've been doing that. Why? Because I knew we were going to be 74 someday. And I knew we just couldn't go on forever and ever and ever. So we've been smart and we've been careful in the way we've handled our finances. Yes, there have been tough times. Yes, there are times we're eating popcorn for dinner. Many, many of those times. But yet still, 
we were able to make it through by God's help. Then we practiced as Christians for 46 years handling God's money as the first treasurers of this fellowship back in 1975 in Pico Rivera, Pico, when we were sharing a church there with another church. There was the very first treasurers of the church's money. And we've been careful and we've been skillful and as shrewd as possible that we can to make sure that God's money was resourcefully used strategically in every single way. And yes, there have been tough times building this building, doing the 180, as you've heard before, in so many different ways, but God has always come through and made sure that things would be taken care of because of handling God's money properly. You see, there are some who look at the church as we just come, we worship God, sing some songs and get spiritually fit, and then we go home and that's the end of the story. But you see, it goes beyond that because the church, this church, and many other churches, but specifically this church, is also a place, it's a church, where people are employed, where salaries need to be paid. And as employers... New Harvest Christian Fellowship, as employers, we have the same obligations and responsibilities that maybe those of you who are working, your employers have to make sure everything is in order so that people can receive their paychecks. So a church is a place beyond just coming, singing songs, clapping your hands, and, 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 and taking communion, and, and going out, and going back to work. We have obligations and responsibilities that do need to take place. It's a place where we have monthly upkeep, bills that need to be paid, special projects, events like our summer concerts that are going to be coming up that need to be covered so we can reach people for the kingdom of God. It goes beyond when, when you leave the service and go home, forget about what's going on. The church still has to function, has to pay its bills, has to pay its mortgage, has to continue on doing what needs to be done. Think about your living expenses and what it takes for you to get to make ends meet every single month. Well, you can multiply that by thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, when it comes to the obligations of this church to have them met every single month. And God wants us to learn biblical shrewdness in order for us to be aware of our management responsibilities because if we don't manage our money as individuals uh, carefully, it impacts not only you, but it will begin to impact, impact your giving ability. And so from this story, we learn some things not to do with money. We learn some truths to remember about money. Paul said that we need to be transformed in our minds and in our thinking when it comes to so many different areas of life. But yet in our story, we're talking about how we see and uh, how we handle money. So if we put into practice some of the things that I'm going to talk about, 
in our lives, then I guarantee you, with God's help, you will be able to be financially transformed in your thinking and how you handle the money that God has given to you to be able to, to manage and to be a steward over. So what are the things we learn from this parable? First, what not to do with money. Number one, don't waste it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But there are so many folks that find it difficult not to waste money. In, in, in our text, in verse 2, Jesus said that the manager was accused of wasting. Everybody say the word wasting. Wasting his master's possessions. How can people waste money? Think of how people can waste money. Have you ever seen anybody waste money? I, parents, have you ever seen your kids waste money? What the heck did you buy that for? That was dumb. Right? Ha! Some of us, how have we wasted money? I read a story about a man in Massachusetts. He paid $21,000 for two last-minute tickets so his daughter could go see Taylor Swift. Now, some of you might think that was worth it. But personally, sorry, I think that was a waste of money. And he had the gall to say, yeah, it set us back a little bit. Wow. Think about how people can waste money. Paul said this guy was wasting his master's possessions. You see, anytime I waste money, I'm wasting God's money. How can I say that? Because it all comes from God. Money I have, money you have, number one, it comes from God. You believe that this morning? Because if you don't believe that this morning, then we might as well go home. Shut it down and just go about our business. Anytime I waste money, I'm wasting God's money. So don't waste money. Think about how you use, manage the resources God has given to you. Secondly, we need to understand we learn from this parable is don't love money and don't let money rule your life. Don't let it control you. In verse 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Don't love money and don't let money use you. How many know it's impossible to, have, to live with divided loyalties? Amen? Impossible to live with divided loyalties. You, as, as a husband and a wife, it's impossible to be loyal to your husband or your wife and be fooling around with somebody else. Amen? You guys missed a good point, a place to say amen there. You're scaring me. You ever, you ever try to work for two bosses at the same job? There's the, there's the boss, the big kahuna, el jefe, the big, big guy. 
the big guy. We've heard that before. And then there's your supervisor who works under the big guy. And if your supervisor tells you to do something and you start doing it, and Hefet walks in and he says, no, but I want you to do it this way, how many know it, it only brings chaos? doesn't work. You can't serve two masters and get things done. And so Jesus is laying it out in black and white. You can't love money and, and, and let it rule your life and God and serve him at the same, it's not going to work. I need to choose what I'm going to love most in my life. And it always comes down to the choice between God and money. Because through the years that I've been serving Jesus, of course, Nancy and I have been tempted with money. Everybody gets tempted with money. But choices have to be made to not let it begin to rule our lives. Because if we didn't, we would have never gone out to pastor. We would have never gone out to pastor at the rates then that you were getting. Ever. If we allow money to, to rule our thoughts and our decisions. So the choice always comes down between God and money. Because it's easy for money to become a God. Doesn't take much. The heart of the problem is always a problem of the heart when it comes to money. How many know God wants our heart? God wants our heart. Matthew 6, 21. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. That's why God wants the, 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 the decision that we all have to make when it comes to how we manage, how we see money, how we use it when it comes to whether it's only for ourselves and our good or it's for the kingdom of God. Because when you manage your money correctly, you learn to use the money God has given to you. It will not use you. You will control it, and it won't control you. And you will be blessed. God will give you the money you need uh, to enjoy your life, to buy the things that you feel that you want to buy, to be able to go to the places you want to go. And that only happens as you learn to manage your resources, your money correctly. It works in the same way with the kingdom of God. So don't love it and don't let it control your life. Also, don't trust money for your security. Don't let it be your security, your all and all. I mean, I think about the past few years and how people have lost their whole savings because they put their trust in certain areas of where they had their money. And not to their fault, of course, but it was gone. And hearts were broken, lives were torn apart. I'm sure families were disrupted. Businesses fell apart because everything was based on their security with money. In our text, the shrewd manager asks the question, what am I going to do now? I'm losing my job. You see, this shrewd manager, this guy who handled his master's money improperly, learned pretty quick that circumstances can change overnight. How many know that's true? 
Circumstances can change overnight. You know, we all stand and, and thank God for health and thank God that we're here healthy as healthy can be this morning. And those of you watching online, the same thing. But yet, how many know things can change overnight? Throughout the years, I've seen that happen. One day, a person is at the top of their game and da 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 you know, and so on and so forth. And the next day, they're laid out. Things can change. This money manager understood that, and he learned that, and so he got down to business. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5, the psalmist writes, Your money can be gone in a flash, as if it has grown wings and flown away like an eagle. Have you ever had that happen to you? Wait. I thought my bank account had this much in it. It's like it flew, grew wings and flew away. I read about a lotto winner. It's one way to blow money. They blew $10 million in nine years. Now some of you think, well, that's cool. That's a, you know, about a million a year. That sounds good to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Listen, nine years after cashing $10.5 million check, Hamilton lottery winner, and I won't give her name, is catching the bus to her part-time job so she can support her six kids and pay the rent. She has gone from rolling in the dough to living paycheck to paycheck. Her Super 7 lotto payout didn't come with a financial advisor, and before she knew it, big houses, fancy cars, designer clothes, lavish parties, exotic trips, hand out to family, and loans to friends, the money was gone. She said she'd check her account now and then, and there was always a, a lot of zeros in it. Oh, that's really being smart. Yeah, there's still zeros, looking good. Until the day, there were no more zeros. And that's when the time came for the fun to stop and go back to life. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money will never have enough. And whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. And that's exactly what happened here. Her lotto didn't come with a financial manager, and so she didn't handle her money shrewdly and, you know, party, party, party. And so we may not have $10 million, but well, how do we handle what we do have? How do we spend what we do have? How do we view the money we do have? Listen to what she said. Don't expect it to satisfy. That's, 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 it's not going to last forever. Don't let it be your security, and it's not going to satisfy you. She said, I am happier today saying that life has more purpose now than when she was shopping. She's happier without the $10 million 
than she was with the 10 million. And some of you are saying, okay, well, let me try. <laughs> it can become your God. And it can become something that you place your security, your life, and everything upon. And that when it's gone, you're left. And you read over some, many circumstances of these lotto winners who do the same thing this lady did. Because they were not shrewd in handling their finances. Luke 12, 15 says, guard against all kinds of greed because your life is not measured by how much you own. See, and that's how people measure everything nowadays. According to this world, remember our opening text, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the way you think. And too many people are conformed to this world and their thinking that says, the more I can get and the more I can get and the more I can get, the better off I'm going to be and the better I'm going to feel. There are many multi-multi-millionaire Christians who handle their money correctly. There are many Christians who have money, who are shrewd money managers and who have given what belongs to God to God and God has blessed them because of that. There are many. And it does not say that because I want to better myself, I want to prosper, I want God to bless me, and I want this and I want that, that God doesn't want you to have it, but it needs to be done correctly and in God's timing. Because too many people have stepped out of God's will, out of God's plan for their lives, and have hindered their walk with God simply because they were after what the world says they need. Don't conform to this world's <clears throat> idea of satisfaction, but be transformed by a new way of thinking, God's way of thinking. As our worship team makes their way up this morning, the last thing that I want you to know from this parable is that the money, that shrewd money manager <clears throat> found out that everything belonged to his manager, didn't belong to him, and so he was fired from his job. It all belongs to God, no matter what we have, no matter how much we make, how little we make, retired, working, young, old, everything we have belongs to God. We don't own anything. It wasn't yours or ours before we were born, and I guarantee you it won't be ours after we die. The bottom line is we just get to use it while we're here on this earth. We just get to manage it while we're here on this earth just for a little while. It's all on loan from God. We're all in the management business, all of us. You ever gone to a store to complain about something? And what do you say to the clerk? I want to see the manager. And right away, the manager comes out. Why? Because they're the ones that are in charge of making sure things are operating correctly 
and to try to satisfy the customer for the most part. You and I are just simply God's managers of what he's entrusted to you and I. And so we need to start looking at everything we have in our possession that God has allowed us to have in this way that it all belongs to God. And when you start looking at it that way, guess what happens? You stop worrying about money. You take a deep breath. Doesn't it feel good when you take a deep breath? Inhale, exhale. You do the exercises, and guess what happens? Your blood pressure goes down. Blood begins to flow freely, and you're a lot more peaceful. Why? Because it's not your money to begin with. It, nothing belongs to you anyway. You are just managing it. It has been loaned to us for a little time. So the question is, how well are you managing God's property this morning? How do you view what God has allowed you to manage? Is it yours? Do you hold on to it tightly? Or do you trust God and His Word that whatever I have and I release, that God will replace? How? That's up to Him. When? That's up to Him. But my Word tells me that God never fails, that God always comes through, and that He will always meet the, 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 the need and what we sow there will always be a reaping time to come from that sowing process. That's the Word of God. And so next week, I'll be making that presentation. I'll be showing you some pictures. I'll be giving you some figures. And I would like for you to take this week to begin to pray about what you would be willing to release as a money manager of God's resources to be able to take care of the house of God. So let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes for a few moments.